everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today worked for Club Med from 1990 to 1999 and was a set designer, choreographer, and chief of animation. He met John Shelley in New York City on an elevator and John gave him his business card. Six months later, my guest called him and was in a village less than a week later. Huh, I wish it was that easy for me, but hey, please help me welcome the one and only Graham Maxwell. Hey, Graham, how are hey, you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I must have sent out, I think for a period of eight months, I sent out resumes, okay? But, and I didn't get a call. So I'm just curious, like, what were you doing in New York that you met John Shelley on, on an elevator? Let's start there if we can. Well, at the time, I was production manager for University North of Toronto, and it was their reading week, and I decided to get in on the uh, half-price deal to come to New York for the week, and I thought, okay, fine, I'll go, whatever. Saw some shows, and it was a crappy Friday morning, and... I was walking down the street and I saw this huge billboard with sand and a couple of footprints in the sand. And I thought, God, that would be the best place to be at this time of the year because it was crappy in New York at the time. And I just happened to be at the boutique, which was the Club Med boutique, which was a couple of blocks away from the Club Med corporate office. And I walked in there, I was looking at a brochure and a girl said to me, oh, so what are you looking for? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, just perusing. And she says, oh, what kind of work do you do? And I told her and she says, oh, well, why don't you go to the Club Med office? And I said, where's that? She says, two blocks away. So I went, oh, okay. So I went to the Club Med office and while I was on the elevator up, this guy looks over at me and he goes, so, uh, what kind of work do you do? And I said, well, I'm a production designer, whatever. And he says, oh, I work for Club Med. When could you leave? <laughs> and I sort of said, what? And he said, when can you leave? And I said, well, I'm working now. And he said, I said, I can't go on vacation. He says, no, not on vacation to work. And I said, oh, well, I can't right now because I've got this thing. He says, well, here's my business card. And I looked at it, it was John Shelley. Sure enough, I got upstairs and I said, hi. I'm here to see somebody for entertainment. And she says, uh, John Shelley. And I said, I think I just met him on the elevator. So anyway, I had a little chat with him in his office, got back home, and I didn't think a thing about it. All of a sudden, about a week later, we got a call and the theater department was being closed at the theater at the university. So I decided this was now, poof. It was a week later, but then uh, I thought, well, nothing of it. I thought, well, I'll get some more work and whatever. I was working at another theater and the work finished in August and I, I was cleaning up my apartment <laughs> and I found his business card. So I thought, well, I'm going to call John Shelley. I called him. He remembered who I was and said, when can you leave? And I said, well, you tell me. He says, how about Saturday? This was a Monday. So I went, oh. Okay, so I sublet my apartment, and on that Saturday, I got on a flight and went to St. Lucia. Wow! So all this started with you seeing an ad, an ad correct? Yeah. I wonder if Club Med realizes like these ads were meant for GMs or potential GMs, yeah. but so many XGOs cite the ad, you know, whether it was on TV or in a newspaper or a billboard. So it was that's... a great ad. It was yeah. a great ad. You know, and when you're from Canada in winter with two feet of snow, <laughs> that is the ideal place to be. That's right. So it's kind of like a toss up between St. Lucia or Toronto in the winter, St. Yeah, Lucia. I think I'll take St. Lucia. And I All thought right. it was six months from the day I left. Little did I know that I was there for two months and then they sent me home. And then I got a Luthra after that. That's right. Now you're... Your chief of village, I think, was the first French Canadian chief of village, Pierre Letelier Gagnon. Yeah. So, what what, yeah. what do you what do you remember? Were you being were you all wide eyed and club med culture shocked when you got oh, to St. Lucia? not to be negative, but I I couldn't stand it for about two weeks. I thought this is just a joke. Nobody <laughs> talks to me. Nobody does whatever. I it's because I I came in at the end of their oh. season, oh, and yes. I don't think they could give it a crap about 
any new people who were coming in because they were looking for their next season. But what was interesting was who was in that village that when I got to that village, Hammer was there as chief of, uh, not chief of sports. He was land sports, I think. Jenner was there. Hansel Moss was chief of sports. Angie Boucher was aerobics. You, you name it. Scott De Palma was on, on circus with Batman. You name it. Like every name that I heard over the next 10 years was in that village. What was Angie Boucher like in 1990? She was a bundle of energy. And honestly, if it wasn't for Angie, I would have left Club Med because we went for a long walk on the beach one day. I didn't know her very well, but uh, she was very, very hospitable. And she was she liked to meet everybody who was coming in. Went for a long walk on the beach. And she sort of gave me the roadmap to how Club Med works. Who does what? What happens when? Uh, you know, how to get along the best with the chief of village? Which people in the team are you going to get the most out of uh, if you get along with them and stuff like that? And she, with that walk, when it, by the time we got back to the village, I was gung-ho. And from that point on, I was hooked. Okay. Just a quick question. Now, when they sent you to St. Lucia, what was your like initial job? Were you like set designer? I was a set designer. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, um, I in your pre-interview, or you when you filled out some of your notes, you said that you took a look around, you saw what other people were doing. Now, you wanted to become a choreographer, correct? Well, I, at the time, I didn't know how Club Med Animation worked. Okay. But because of my background, I was a production manager, but I also directed. So when I got to the village, it said animation. And at first, <laughs> I thought animation was, they do cartooning here? <laughs> Very strange. And then she, of course, explained everything to me because because it was the change of season. Everybody there was a replacement in the animation team. And uh, there was one point where we were about, oh, I think we were in October, maybe the very beginning of October. And Pierre Latalia Gagnon was leaving for his next village. And he told us that a big French group was coming in. And we had no shows at that point. We were doing cabarets and whatnot. We had to put together a feather show. So that meant I had to do a brand new set. There were brand new costumes, this, that, whatever. We did it once at the end of the season. But that hooked me for the last the next 10 years. Okay, but how did you know you could be a choreographer? Because normally, normally in the village, the choreographer is a really good dancer. So do you have a dance background or did you? I a um, theater background. I had okay. a theater background. So my and the shows that I did, they were choreographed, but I'm not a dancer per se, but I worked in theater and it was a director with musical theater. So to stage musical numbers, I was adept at. So okay. I came in the other I came in sort of a different way than most people do. Yeah, because I've, I've never really heard that before, because normally the choreographer does have a dance background. Yeah. But uh, but yes, because of your theater experience, yes, I, I see what you mean now. Now, did you go to Eleuthera as choreographer or not yet? No, I went as set designer. But what happened that season, that was the season of the Gulf War. So we uh, started the season. And in January of that season, we were told we had to stay for a year. And what happened was our choreographer quit. Then we got a replacement choreographer in, they got fired. Another replacement choreographer came in, they got fired. So what happened was I put up my hand and said, well, I could put a show together. And I did. So I just automatically became a regisseur for the club because I put a show together at the end of the season. And this was okay with your chief, I guess, Dirk. But he's Dirk? the one who's, who okayed the whole thing. Okay. And then my next season, he sent me to the Club Med 1. All and right, yeah. Club Med 1, I didn't like it that much. It's not that it was terrible or anything. It just wasn't the feeling that I liked about the club. But I didn't say anything to anybody or whatever. But what Dirk had done is put me on there temporarily. And then... I was dropped off in St. Lucia and I was back in St. Lucia again, but I did my stage for choreographer. Where did they send you for the stage? At St. Lucia again. Oh, the stage was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. And he, the guy, Mehdi Saror was his name. He was the chief of village. I thought he was a great chief of village for the fact that he really scared the crap out of you if you didn't do something or if you were about to do something, you always made sure, you know, you did it and whatever. But he sent me around to every service to learn how the service works. It had nothing to do with putting shows on, nothing to do with theater. And because he knew I knew that part of it. So he taught me to learn what every service in a club does so that I can take in into consideration if I have this person, these are the times I can use them. Uh, they can't be there at these times, you know, stuff like that. Okay. That's uh, that's unusual also, right? Yeah, very unusual. But yeah. I, I was lucky. I Like anything else, you get into the situation and if it's going the way you sort of think it's going and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm good with this, you just go with it. And he did that and he rewarded me because at the end of that season, he sent me to Punta Cana and <laughs> the chief of village I had prior, Dirk Nuera, uh, was at that village. So I went as a regisseur to the next village. Was there anyone from your stage, your uh, choreographer stage that we might know? Like any anyone that... No, because I was the only one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I went on your stage? In that village, yeah. <laughs> no the girl who came in... As a regisseur, while I was doing the stage, uh, was Vanessa. I can't remember her last name, but uh, she. this was her first season. So they had two first seasons sort of in that position. So I did a show at St. Lucia also, and she did her shows. And I learned a couple of her shows uh, so that the second season I wasn't stuck with no shows. Okay. I'm going to throw something at you here just to get your opinion, Okay. So I I uh, I, I was one who liked the shows, hated rehearsal because why rehearsal was so late at night. So did any geos encounter like you encounter do like me, where if they saw you in the disco, they actually pretended they didn't know how to dance near you. You know, they made sure that you not, saw them and, and that you didn't ask them. <laughs> not so much until the very last season I did. Oh really? Okay. Cancun, where I well I had two two geos who were in a number that I knew exactly where they were and whatnot. I knew the numbers that they were in, in a show. And it was in my last couple of weeks in Cancun. I replaced myself in the shows so that when I left, they had shows that they could still do. So I was standing at the back of the theater, <laughs> watching the show and saying to myself, where the hell are those two guys? Sure enough, I looked over and the two of them were sitting at the bar and I went up to them. I said, what are you guys doing here? And they said, but we're always here at this time. I said, what do you mean? They had skipped out on that number the entire season to go get a drink at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, I never thought of that. Uh, yeah. Dumb, dummy. Uh, that was about the most of people trying to get out of the shows. Okay. So you didn't, so you didn't have any uh, tricks to uh, convince someone that they'll, no, they'll like it? No, not really. Because quite a few of the seasons we did Martinique, surprisingly, I did a brand new show about three months before we were supposed to go to our next village. And I had a large cast and we rehearsed late at night. And I found all the people who were in the show showed up with no complaints or anything. So I thought that's sort of my benchmark to show you that, you know, as long as I keep everything interesting and they're doing stuff that they like to do, people showed up to rehearsal. Yeah. By the same token, were there geos that presented themselves to you the, the second they arrived in the village and said, I want oh, to be in every yeah. show. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Carol Flexen, who was in Sandpiper, Right away, we clicked, and right away, I went, that girl is going to be on stage all the time, and she was. Quite a few people we met. I met. Well, I was going to ask you, like, do you re recall, like, who, who some of your best dancers were? Oh, like yeah. Um, Magali, I, I can't, uh, her last name is Kiss now, because she married an ex, she married an ex-GO. Uh, she was fantastic. Carol Flexen, uh, Lori O'Brien. They were they were great dance partners for me. But a lot of the shows that I did, even though they were choreographed, it was like doing a stage show 
in some ways because I didn't necessarily if they were dancing or whatnot I didn't care if they danced in their own style I because I felt that was the charm of those people being on stage okay so I I wasn't like a you know very very strict I was strict with the shows and whatnot but I let the pre people's personalities come out because I thought that's what the GMs are here for. They want to see the personalities that they've been dealing with during the day. Then in October 91, you spend uh, about a year in, in Martinique? In Martinique, yeah. Okay. Crazy uh, year. Crazy year. Yeah, they kind of had a, I, I did Martinique as well. And I remember it very uh, small stage and not not so high off the ground right in martin not or... high off the ground the stage is the size of a postage stamp yeah and uh we had somebody who all who remains nameless who was trying to be uh a chief of village they were there the first season and it was a nightmare it was just that person was trying so hard to be a chief of village that the animation schedule was just non-stop do 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 we didn't get a break that winter at all and then that person left after that season and we did our own season where i was chief of the of animation we we did all kinds of new stuff and i love the village the people who were in it were great the gms were great i love the fact there was no pool to do stuff around you did stuff down at the ocean i i it was magical the second part of that season was just magical i love that place just was that it. was that the first time you became a chief of animation that second season? yeah that was the first time yeah oh okay and was there a stage for that or no 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 okay you sort of you tend to grow at least then i think now it's probably different but yeah back then you grew into the job because you were doing so much of it anyway. Okay. And you think a, a season you know, or a year in Buccaneers Creek, a uh, singles village would tire, tire you out a bit, but oh no, you went to Playa Blanca next. Playa uh, was October even 91. more magical. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. With Danny Stabielli. Yeah. Playa is that, it really was. Is, that, is that village, right? Playa is just, it was the magical village because there was nowhere the GMs could go. There were no TVs in the rooms. So all the GMs were always out and about in the center of the village. And it was just great. God, that was such a good, good season. I wish every GO could have a season like that. And I'm sure almost all the GOs who've gone to Playa Blanca have said the same thing. Yes, almost everyone. You're right. Yeah, yeah that's that's for, for sure. And then Morea. Andrea Livingston. Okay, uh, so so now you it looks like you wanted to take a break a bit and relax. So did you and no, Maria? I didn't. I didn't know what Maria would be into. They just kept offering me better places to go. So I went. I didn't know Andrea or whatever. I loved working with her. She was the best of the best for me. She was such an encouraging woman. Because uh, I got there and I was like, doesn't anybody around here rehearse? or do anything well it was so bloody hot there that you would finish the show at night and then you'd have to rehearse at 11 and everybody the look on everybody's face was just like what now because it was so hot there and again no pool the gms were always in the center of the village so you're rehearsing at night with all these gems at the bar which is have you been to morea no no i have not sadly <laughs> It was a kind of village where the bar overlooked the audit the stage and you would have all these GMs there sitting there getting drunk and you're trying to rehearse something on stage. Uh, it was a tough season for that part of it. But other than that, it was it was absolutely beautiful. I got to go to so many different uh, excursions there because of the pace. So it sort of it added to the whole experience that she kept telling me, go on an excursion. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We can't do a rehearsal tonight. It's going to be 40 degrees Celsius. Just have a good time. She was so good. She what? was keep a village. Yeah. Actually got called. Rehearsal got called because of the temperature. Oh my God. Just, it, well, you could see it with the geos. You can okay. see starting to go down. And she was so much into how the geos felt and keeping them up and 
such a positive woman. I, it's a shame that she's not around uh, working at the club today because she really was somebody who was, she was a trailblazer. I loved her. She was great. Okay. Well, that sounds like you had a good time there. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then next village you go stateside. Oh, Sam Piper. Sam Piper, Howard McCarley. Howard. Howard was great. He taught me to do, at the time, every other village, you did everything by pen and paper and then gave it to the secretary to fill in. Howard did everything on computer. And what was interesting about him, he taught me everything about Mac computers because he had one. <laughs> yeah, this was 1992, right? Uh, 94. Okay, 94. Okay. Yeah, which again, the internet wasn't around. Computers, laptops weren't around. I remember buying a Mac laptop and online, or not online, but on the telephone from one of those magazines. Anyway, he taught me everything about Mac so that I was able to do programming and put it into the program, which was really great. But he was also, he gave me 100% cr uh, creative freedom too, which was for somebody like me, that was a gift in itself. And Andrea did the same thing, gave me 100% creative freedom to do whatever I wanted for the shows and rarely ever had to step in and say, no, we've, we should do this or that. And he also was really good. He taught us a number called the bells. I don't know if you ever heard of that one or not, but yeah. it's uh, with four monks and there's ropes that hang from the ceiling uh, of the stage. And what happens is the monks go back and forth and back and forth. And next thing you know, they start pulling on the ropes like they're pulling for the bells. And next thing you know, as you're doing that, the person on the end of the ropes is being lifted off the ground. It's very, it's a fantastic number. Nobody else did it, but Howard did. And it was a great cabaret number that nobody else did, but it was so good. It was from a show called Beyond the Fringe, which was back in the early 60s. The, the English guys did it. Uh, little Dudley Moore and a couple of other people did it. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it was. No, no, I've never seen this number. Oh, it was such a great number. And he was great with, Howard was terrific. For two years, I was there with him. The teams we had were excellent. Uh, it was a big team because we had mini club, baby club, circus, all the sports and whatever. But that was a massive team to work with. For yeah. two years, I was there too. Yeah. Why did you want to spend two years there? Well, he said after the first year, he said he was going to be there. And I had had such a really solid year with him that I went, what the hell's the use of changing? So I might as well stay with him. So I did. And quite a few of the GOs did, surprisingly. Okay. Um, yeah. And we had another good year. So we had two good years with Howard. And after those two years... I guess you're yearning for the singles life because turquoise yeah, well, comes sing, about. You're, I was yearning for the old club mat again. Okay. <laughs> so I went with uh, Kevin Bat. Kevin had become a chief of village uh, the season or two before. Uh, he did the Irish golf. Uh, it was an Irish golf. Oh, Waterville? Club. Yeah, Waterville. Waterville, right. He did Waterville and then he did Punta Cana and then he did turquoise, which what he, he called the dream team. And yes. that was with, with Hammer, Hammer. Hammer. Hammer got married, I think, this Hammer season. got married that season, yeah, and uh, to Julie. And we had Hensel, or Hendel, Hendel, that's right. Uh, Hendel, yeah. yeah well, we had, I, I think Hansel came down for the wedding. Hansel Moss he came, came down, down for, for the, the wedding. wedding, yeah. Well, Kevin, for Christmas that year, gave all the chiefs of service. He rented a plane and we flew to Columbus Island. Oh, really? Christmas. Yeah, that was our Christmas gift that year. Oh, man, that's um, I probably just missed that. Okay, I no, was at Columbus. I was there in 97, 98, but I would have remembered that. So, yeah, I must have just missed yeah, you guys. We came in and uh, just for a couple of days. And of course, Hammer knew a lot of the people there. Hammer had been around all over the place by then, but he was the chief of sports and doing his stage for chief of village. So, he was excellent. 
he was so good on the microphone and so good with the GMs that Kevin didn't have to do that much. But Kevin was always there, always around doing some crazy thing. He also let you be creative as much as you wanted to. Oh, right? Totally, totally. But there was one time where there were two guys. I can't, Mike and another guy. I can't think of who, Mike Lemire and another guy who one crazy night, they wanted to go into Kevin's house and knock on the door and wake him up to come out and go to the disco with him. And I told them that Kevin was there. That's all I did. I just went, oh, no, Kevin's in his house. And they went and knocked him up. Well, all of a sudden, a week later, I get a call to come to Kevin's house. Mike got a call and this other guy got a call. And we're all sitting there. And he says, there's been a real problem in Punta Cana. And sorry to do this, but you three, we need you to move to Punta Cana. And we were like, what? We're in turquoise, having the times of our lives. We have to go to Punta Cana. And just then, I saw a little tiny red light in a plant <laughs> in his apartment. And sure enough, they were videotaping us. This was his retribution for waking him up that night. He was trying to get us to uh, believe that we were going to have to pack everything up and move to Punta Cana. And he knew I didn't love Punta Cana as a village. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, what? And then, of course, when I saw the light, I went, okay, so when do I leave? And th that basically bambooed the two of them and uh, uh, <laughs> kind of ruined their little, uh, <laughs> their little, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, uh, animation passage. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, it was a fun, very fun season. That was a good season. Well, yeah, so fun. You went with them to uh, Cancun in October 97. Cancun, right? yeah. Yes. Cancun, a wild village too. It was when it was a singles village. And it was pretty run down at that point because we were we did that season and we had to, what did we have? Oh, we had to close that village because it was getting renovated at the end of that season. We only did one one season to May. And we had to close. We had to close it up for uh, renovations. So we had, we were down one night to, I think, 50 GMs was the last night that we were there. And then after that, the village was empty. So it was very strange to be in a village when it's empty. The only other time I'd done that was when I was in Playa Blanca before all the guests came. But it's very strange to be in that village. But uh, we had to close it to renovate it. And then I came back six months later when the renovation was almost finished to do the next season. Okay. And you stay in Mexico next. You go to Sonora Bay. Go to Sonora Bay because I did a show called Tommy. And Hammer was the chief of village. And he said, you know what? I'm in, I'm in Sonora Bay. Can you come to Sonora Bay and put the show together for us? So I did. And that was the first time I ever did a show where... I replaced myself with geos that were in that village. And boy, was that a hot village. Oh my God. The sand, you couldn't walk on the sand in your bare feet. Uh, you'd finish lunch and it would be so hot. All you could do was go back to your room. It was so hot. I'm, I'll never forget that. That was hotter than Morea. <laughs> what kind of show was Tommy? Tommy was a rock opera. And... Like The Who? The Who, yeah. Okay. And I had seen it on Broadway in 1993. And I thought, I thought the music was great. I thought, what an interesting story. So what I did was I took it, edited it down, took out anything that was objectionable, and decided to do the show Tommy. But when I was in Martinique... I did a show at the end of the season and it was called Heroes. And I had these four panels, four pieces of set that were on casters that basically we projected slides. And if depending on where you move this, moved the, uh, the screens on stage, it broke up the pictures and you were able to tell your story through dance or whatever with this set. 
So what I did was we did this show called Heroes in Martinique because none of the music for Tommy was, I couldn't get the music that was available for it. Then when I went to Playa Blanca, I did it for the first time in Playa Blanca and I carried it on. I did it for about six seasons, I think, six or seven seasons. It's a rock opera. Have you heard Tommy before? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I know the, the main songs. Well, from the Geos love the music. It was easy to, re it was com very complicated production, but the Geos loved doing it because they were never off stage. They would go on stage, do their thing, leave the stage, change, be back on stage in a couple of minutes. So you felt like the 45 minutes of the show went by in 10 minutes. And the Geos loved it. The GMs loved it. And I, at that point, I was known for doing Tommy wherever I went. Okay. I've never got the chance to see it. So I'm kind of bummed no. right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it was, no, it was a good production. And every village, it changed a bit, depending on what the stage was like. I went back to Club Med in, oh gosh, 2012 to do open the village again, just for two weeks. And I went back in 2019 to do a show. And both times, everywhere I went, there were people that I knew from way back when. And the first thing they mentioned was Tommy. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Nice you to know that it's still, <laughs> they still remember it. <laughs> you, 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 which village did you go back to in 2019? I went back to Sandpiper both times. Okay. And I realized how much it had changed. And you must be bummed that it changed owners. Well, too, it, right? you know, not bummed so much. It's just, it was such a different, I, I should never have gone because realistically what was my time was my time and it was never going to be the same because what i noticed when i finally got to my last season in in uh cancun after it had been renovated was the girl who replaced me she was a dance instructor versus a choreographer and that's when i knew that's when it sort of hit me i think this is the right time for me to sorry, move sorry, on what, what's the difference well, a difference was a dance instructor teaches GMs the oh. samba and the rumba and, you know, okay. and stuff like that. They're not known for putting shows together. Okay. I don't know if it ever stayed that way, <laughs> but I know in Cancun, that's who I was replaced by. So I sort of went, oh, okay. Well, that's not my kind of thing to do. So I, I guess it's time to move on. That was the last season of Cancun, Absolutely. like with yeah. Kevin, ba Kevin Bat. Yeah, so. with Kevin Bat. Okay. I do want to talk a bit about, because you've had some pretty fascinating celebrity encounters. In, in Turks, this is crazy to me that the Groundlings came, and yep. uh, which is a, an improv group, and you were Jennifer Coolidge's scene partner. She was my scene partner, and boy, can she curse. This is crazy because, uh, you know, who doesn't love, you know, Jennifer Coolidge, you know, the White Lotus. and you But know, she and was nobody back then. True. Yeah, she, she was hysterically funny. So funny. But she swore. <laughs> she swore like a sailor. OK. <laughs> we would always get disqualified because she was she would start her improv. And next thing you know, she'd be swearing her head off. The audience would be killing themselves laughing, but we'd get disqualified because she swore. <laughs> okay. So then you I guess you see American Pie, you see Stifler's mom, and you're like, I did a scene with that person. Right? Well, I don't even know if American Pie was out by then. Maybe. Okay. Okay. I don't think it was because <laughs> I think I would have recognized her or yeah. somebody. But then again, with Club Med, you didn't go to movies. Cancun was the only village I was in where you could leave the village and go into town to go watch a movie. And well, I remember you... that distinctly uh, watching Titanic. I remember okay. when Titanic came out and it had Spanish subtitles. Well, you could in Sandpiper, but you probably didn't have any time to do it. Correct. I, yeah, I don't think I, I think I might've seen one movie in Sandpiper. A lot of people got out of the village a lot. The only thing I did when I was in Sandpiper, I bought a car from my maid who cleaned my room I got it for nothing. And my friend Nina Stein, who ran the boutique, we split the car so we could she could go do her runs to Sam's Club and Costco and all this stuff. And I did it so that uh, Howard was fantastic, that touring shows that came through Florida, if there was a touring show, 
he would let me off to go see a touring show. So I did that through the two years that I was there too. Okay. And because of your, your theater background, you would probably be the only geo that would recognize Joel Gray. So how, how does, where did, where did (laughs) you meet Joel Gray? In Sandpiper, what most people don't realize it's a golf club and the golf club had their own people coming in and their own entertainment uh, between the stuff that's happening at club med. So they would use the auditorium and, so these people would come in. I I I worked with Joel Gray, Mitzi Gaynor. Most people don't know any of these names, but Mitzi Gaynor. I grew up with the old Fred Astaire movies and the old MGM movies and stuff like that. And so I recognized all these people. I was having the time of my life. Uh, Mickey Rooney, uh, Joel Gray, Mitzi Gaynor. You know what's crazy? Uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. Mitzi yeah. Gaynor and both Joel Gray, they're both 91 years old and still alive. Like, what are the odds? Oh, they're yeah, the exactly. people you met are both 91 years old. Uh, well, Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney, Rooney was Mickey Rooney was also in, in Sandpiper. Yeah. Mickey okay. Rooney. I, I can't I can't see his name without thinking of Dana Carvey's like hilarious impression of, of Mickey Rooney. So when you met him, was he uh did he have a big ego or anything? Huge ego. <laughs> okay. He thought he was on Broadway. Okay. So everything was like, why is why is there no champagne here? Why is there? I need some drinks from the bar. And blah, blah, blah. he was a big he was a big drinker at the Did time. Did he do? So, I was the biggest star in the world. Like, yes, was he, he was. Way, okay. But again, I was starstruck too. So, I mean, for me, and it had nothing to do with the club. That was the funniest part because they used the theater. I would be in the theater. I would, you know, host them in the theater. And I would always meet them. So it was great working with these. Well, sure. I mean, come on, uh, forget his ego. The man, the man danced and acted with, with Judy Garland, for God's sakes, you know, I mean, they, they were almost an item, right? When I dealt with him, he was a fraction of what he was before. Yeah. The studio, anything, but yeah. The studio wanted them to get married, him and Judy Garland. And he's part of that, that golden era, right? Totally, totally. And Joel Gray, because of Cabaret, one of my favorite movies. So it was it was great meeting all these people, and that was another perk to being in Sandpiper. Yeah, this this one's hard to believe. You met a club med artist named of Michael Bublé before he was famous, right? This is, he is this true. Cancun, yeah, he came to Cancun. There was a guy I don't remember his name, but he was from Vancouver, and he said, "Oh, you have guest artists come down." And out of the blue, he said. Oh yeah, I've got my friend who comes who can sing and whatever. He came down for a week. And I remember thinking, this guy is a star. I don't know what the hell he's doing in Club Met. So, a couple know, of years later, boom. Michael Blueblay. Yeah. Okay, you could, could you could tell right away. You could tell right away. He was just such a crooner. He didn't sing anything. He even sang rock and roll. But the rock and roll that he sang, the way he sang it is like Michael Bublé. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I heard later that he got, he did Brian Mulroney's, I think one of his kids got married and he was the singer, the wedding singer. And I think that's what finally gave him the uh, the push, you know? Yeah, which is great. I, I love seeing stuff like that. Just like Jennifer Coolidge. It's so, so satisfying to see somebody who you knew before they were anything. Okay. Well, usually when I ask people, you know, what are the things they miss the most or the three things, I'm assuming that everything having to do with shows, right, you would miss? I miss the shows. You know what? Uh, you you probably hated rehearsals, but I enjoyed rehearsals because I, I don't think I was a tough choreographer. Like, I don't think I was a hard choreographer to deal with that. Yes, at the end. You know, when all the pieces were put together, whatever, I was pretty tough because I had a vision and I knew what I wanted and you guys couldn't see what I wanted and, you know, whatever. But from an animation point, I love the rehearsal process because that's where I would gear things towards what you could do versus what is in my mind. I geared everything towards what the GOs were able to do versus saying here i need you to do this combination it's got to be done exactly like this i don't i never dealt with stuff like that i always did it with geared it towards your personality and i miss that i miss the beaches especially eleuthera and turquoise and morea 
the best beaches in the world miss the beaches so much especially in the middle being from canada in the middle of winter i miss the camaraderie with everybody and you know you have a team of 110 people and you're friends with 110 people miss that because you don't get it anywhere else and i miss the fact that there's no tvs it was really nice not having i missed all of friends and seinfeld and law and order and all this other stuff that i've caught up on since i've been back but i didn't miss anything not having a tv back in the 90s okay i just have to ask a quick question are you more friends or seinfeld seinfeld because I have a theory. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just one other thing. I, <laughs> yes, I, I, um, I, I just wished that rehearsal, I didn't like it because it was too late. I, I just said, I was so logical. I thought this would, I could learn better if this was earlier. That was my only uh, critique of, of rehearsal. Like you want me to memorize intricate dance steps at, at midnight? Me? You know, I, I look back and think, I don't know how they did it back in the, say the seventies or the eighties. I really, cause it was a different place back then too. I think with all the uh, the not having TVs in rooms and not, ha you know, whatever, I think the GOs did a lot more partying and whatnot. So I don't know how they got rehearsals done late at night and ended up having a product that they could show people, except in a family village. I, I yeah. don't know how they used to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, just because I was tall and not a great dancer, they'd stick me at the back row. So I would actually learn during <laughs> during the production of the show over a few months. Then I would get promoted to second from back row. You know, see, I would find I would have found a <laughs> job for you on stage like Tommy. I would have put you as a panel. Oh, bless you. Bless your soul. Okay. <laughs> that's what I did, though. I picked certain parts for people because they that's the, that's the speed that they ran at. And I thought, you know, I can still take advantage of the person. Just give them something that they can do. I, I really had to like it. Like I, to this day, I always say my favorite dance number ever was Techno Can Can 1996 in Columbus. I loved it from the second I saw it. I wanted to be in it. I begged to be in it. But that's the only number because I thought this is the greatest thing ever. Techno Can Can. And then I would actually teach it to other people when the choreographer was busy. <laughs> And that was an aerobics workout in itself. Yes. Yeah. You remember it, right? Like, Talking yeah. about the can with the four yes. people. Yeah. yeah then, then the chief would always do a, a curtain, like, okay, one more time. And then you'd come out again, right? Like, <laughs> Especially after you've just done 12 hours of working at the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you got to get changed to go do casino and night. night at the Italian <laughs> night at the buffet. That's right. I don't, know, I don't know how many times we'd be doing a show. I did one show called Time After Time, and it was big dance number after big dance number and you had just enough time to get changed you would you would dance off change and be dancing in at the beginning of the next number and i don't i can't remember how many times you'd be dancing with your partner and the partner would be swearing at you saying how could you do this on italian night because you were just uh, sucking up so much energy to get through the show, whatever, sweating like a pig. And it's true. You'd be, you have eaten a big meal at Italian night and you're like, I don't know if I can move. So no. Did you, did you ever get mad at certain geos or some geos that like kind of screwed around during a show? You know, I would, I, I would say I was pretty lucky. I didn't have people when they went on stage, they did what I'd asked them to do. I didn't have many people that, or at least I didn't have any narcs <laughs> that told me people okay. ran on stage. Cause of course I was in the shows. So how could I see what was going on though? There was one time in, when I did Tommy, it was at the end of my last season in Cancun and Kevin bat played my cousin, Kevin ironically and he at this point he decided on the last night he was going to shave my head so he came out for this number and he had shaving cream and a razor with him and what he didn't realize was i could see him out of the peripheral peripheral vision that i had and i went oh my god what's he going to do because my part i was deaf and mute i didn't say anything and i didn't do anything i was sitting there and <laughs> he came up to me behind me to do this thing with this uh shaving cream and a shaver and i got up and started running around and bashing into walls and bashing into the other guys and to get away from him shaving my head 
that was the only time. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I asked the question because the, you know, I spent 10 years in Club Med. The funniest thing I'd ever seen on stage was uh, we had this massage geo that went on vacation for a week and a half. He got back. He was waiting in the wings to go on for his number. Yet the chief of reception convinced him that he was in the number on stage right now. But the guy's memory after being on vacation was a little hazy. And he kept convincing him. And sure enough, the GO went and pushed two girls to get between them because that was his spot, but it was in the next number. And I, I was <laughs> had a front row seat to this. I thought, oh my God, this is diabolical. I mean, it is so funny. So I was just curious if someone like that would have gotten in trouble with you. For two uh, not, you know what? In the end, yes, they might have gotten in a bit of trouble, but for me, it was like slap the hand. Oops. Don't, do, don't do it again. again <laughs> you know. Okay. As I told you before, the two guys that missed that part of the show, probably for the whole season, I didn't realize it till the end. And all I could do was laugh. I couldn't get mad at them. What could I do? <laughs> all right. You have gone on record as saying your three favorite crazy signs are pink Cadillac, electric slide. But who or what is a Billy Rubina? Billy Rubina was in, in Punta Cana. It's okay. a, it was a, a Dominican song. Oh, Okay. And okay. it was, I don't just the, the moves for it and everything. I loved it. I don't know. Out of all the crazy signs, that was one that uh, I always loved. I don't know why. And if I ever hear that song again, I'd, I'd probably start doing the crazy sign. Well, does that happen? Because that happens to me. Are you driving a car or in a grocery store and you hear a song from Clement? Did you have to resist or stop yourself from dancing side to side and clapping? Does it happen to you? I kind of never have to do that. That was one thing that when I left club, I went to a bat mitzvah this past weekend and they had the DJ and they had two girls doing the moves. And somebody said, why don't you get up with him? I said, no, I did that for 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, okay, no, I, 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 I never get the urge to do crazy signs, unfortunately. Or do you, still, fortunately. <laughs> do you still dream about Club Med? Do you have a recurring dream? Like I do, I do all the time. Okay. Uh, all the time. And it, uh, it comes down to not having the show finished. Oh God. So you're, you're, you're having, so you have anxiety in this dream, right? Yeah. Or people not showing up to, I, I used to have horrible nightmares about people not showing up to entrance of restaurant. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. the panic attack when I was in Martinique, that was the biggest panic attack I had because that team was so unwildly that you never knew if someone was, you know, going to show up for whatever, because it, it was a very stretched out village too. So I was always panicked to go, you know, four people that were supposed to be on uh, on entrance of a restaurant and the chief of village. He I don't think he could have cared less what happened on stage, but God forbid you screwed up at uh, entrance of restaurant. You'd be in you know, <laughs> doghouse for the next month. Those are important, too. Okay. They are. <laughs> I mean, it was a part of the job, but that was the only panic that I tended to have. The other stuff everybody would normally show up for or whatever. But uh, entrances to the restaurant were always a panic attack. Okay. Oh, I also forgot that you, you did meet another celebrity at your first season, but you were you would be the only one again who would know who this was, James Lapine, who wrote Into the Woods, right? Yeah. So how the heck would you have recognized this person? Well, you know, have you done St. Lucia? Yes. Well, when you're in the when you're in the reception there, you meet everybody who's coming in off the bus. And okay. it just so happened I caught I saw a picture of him you know, I've seen pictures of this guy before and I ended up taking them to their room. And then I saw them at dinner and I sat with them at dinner. Unfortunately, talked with them at dinner. And I said, I'm a huge fan of Into the Woods and this, that, whatever. He could, he could have cared less. Oh, really? He oh, gets a snob. He oh. was a snob. And I, I honestly, it was probably because he had just gotten off doing some other show or something and he was exhausted and the last thing he wanted to do was talk about the show that he was doing so i'm one of the rare people who even knew who the heck he was well but, yeah this is 1990 it's before for internet obviously and you yeah. you just by chance saw a photo of this guy so you can yeah. you know and um so guess what don't meet your heroes right okay. no that's true don't meet your heroes <laughs> but though though in the past because i ran a theater here in toronto here for the last uh, 18 years and I met a lot of people who were my like idols and I got to admit every one of them came across as 
decent, nice people. I was lucky enough in that regard. So he was the only one that I've met so far that really kind of disappointed me. And if I ever met him again, I'd tell him. Oh, so really? Okay. Pretty disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Once you hit a certain age, you don't care anymore. <laughs> James Gordon ruined your movie. No. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and these, uh, yeah, so you said you ran a, a theater for 18 years. Now were these uh, North American actors that came through? North American. Yeah. Okay. And, it's, and a couple of Europeans and whatnot. But I, you know, people like uh, you probably wouldn't know any of these people. Oh, Betty Buckley, Shirley Jones, Debbie Reynolds, Patty Lepone. De- De- oh, Patty Lepone. You met yeah. Patty Lepone? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say this because you're the only person on this planet I could say this to. I, I, I like music of all kinds. And my my iPod looks like a, like a maniac. I've got heavy metal, uh, classical music. Anyway, I say the best song ever sung, period, is Patti Lapone, Evita. And I'm talking about when she was on Broadway. I forget what year. It was obviously the 80s. The best song ever sung is Patti Lapone's Evita. If you've never heard it, get it. Turn off all the lights and light some candles because that'll just make the experience even more. Now, you, have you heard this song? She's done. Oh, of course. Have I okay. heard this song? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I had. I just had to check. But but am I... But you 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 know what I'm saying, and this is coming from a guy like me, you know, a, t- a typical jock guy. That this song, when I hear it, still gives me goosebumps to this day when she hits that note. You know, she was not a disappointment in the least, and she was one of those people that told you exactly what she thought. And I thought that's the kind of person I I would strive to be. Uh, she was she was quite amazing, and uh, she's she I met her twice actually two different times that I did shows with her. Uh, but oh. also Andrea Martin. I did a show with Andrea Martin. Oh. And, uh, I went on tour with it and then came back. Uh, she was a riot to work with. Martin Short. Oh, you uh, work with Martin Short? Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. They were great. Again, experiences where they never, they did not disappoint. And SCTV is one of the all-time best <laughs> best shows that have ever been on television so in my opinion anyway yeah no no i agree i agree now you just got me thinking of uh patty lapone when she was on will and grace anyway <laughs> uh, okay all right well well wow i don't know what else to ask you are we like i know we mentioned a lot of the geos and the chiefs of villages you like working for are we are we leaving anyone out is there anyone else um that oh, comes great people like uh scott duncan okay scott was one of the best geos i have ever met he was great with the gms Great land sports guy, terrific in the shows. He was him, people like him. John Kiss, John Kiss was a uh, water ski geo, great guy, couldn't dance for his life. But you know what? He was in every single show, and I always congratulated him because he gave his 100% every show he did. And he was the best example of somebody who did not have any talent whatsoever, except for water skiing. He was really good at water skiing, but would show up, you know, 100% to do whatever show he was in. And even though he kind of sucked at it, he still was, you know, gave his 100%. God, I've got so many. Lars Dembeck, who was a really great uh, guy for animation and in sailing. Glendan Robertson. GA from Mini Club. Yeah, GA. Uh, yeah. Jim Henry from Mini Club. Oh, yeah. There's so many, so many people. I know it's hard to mention everyone. I was just, yeah. uh, I was just curious. Nina Stein, who ran the boutique. She's a really good friend of mine. Lisa, who ran a boutique, uh, who always says Murr. Can't think of her last name. Lisa Peterson, I think is her name. Mur- Murr? Mur, she always would go mur. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyone, anyone ask why? Okay. I don't know. I, okay. I don't know. I always okay. used to think it was Monty Python. Okay. So that uh, from the Holy Grail when they okay, said, we'll, we'll, we'll have to have we'll have to locate her and have her on. Yeah. So now I'm now I'm obsessed with this. Okay. I work with some really great people that I hope to God that they're out there in the world being great doing whatever they're doing because honestly they made my time at club med so worthwhile and that is the best thing about facebook i've got to say yes is 
keeping in touch with the people that you worked with 30, like, I mean, for me, it's 30 some odd years ago that I started and I'm still in touch with these people. Thank God through Facebook, which is great. Yeah. And of all, all your seasons, have you ever thought, was there one that stands out or three? Like I, I asked people oh, if they yeah. had a, ma- a magical season. That's one where it's, it was just simply magical, but not everyone feels the same way as me. So I was just curious if uh... Uh, Playa Blanca for sure was magical beyond belief. Even when crap happened, yeah, you just went, eh, whatever, move on. Sandpiper was really fun. Martinique was fun in a different way, in a mature way, let's say. You were dealing with real adults in Martinique. More than any other village, I felt like Martinique, you were dealing with adults. Turks and Caicos has its own charms. I mean, with with a chief of village like Kevin Bat, you can't go wrong in the fact that when he was chief of village, he used to do so much great stuff for the team. He would take he would rent a charter a boat and one afternoon take all the chiefs of services out on a boat and have our chief of service meeting on the boat. Stuff like that. He was he was great for doing stuff. Uh he did his uh, you know, when the chiefs of villages switch at the end of a season, yes. he did his by skydiving. Okay. Turquoise. Of course, he tried to get me to go skydiving with him. And of course, I said, no, uh, <laughs> no, thank you. I'm I'm better on land. <laughs> well, am I forgetting to ask you anything before I let you go? Like, I, I, so. I, I know we covered a heck of a lot here. Um, I don't know, but there are quite a few geos inspired me and kept me going for over the years. And people like Hammer were total inspiration to always strive for whatever he had going for him because that guy he's a char- he's a snake charmer in a gr- in the best way possible he can charm anybody because he's just got that knack for people and i'm glad that he's working in hr and whatnot for club med now cuz he was a great guy to, he was a fantastic guy to deal with there's no i don't think howard's working there anymore no, he left not long ago, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, came, he came. yeah, yeah. I had him uh, on to the podcast. Yeah. Yes. And I heard his podcast too. Other than that, I can't think of anything else. I have, I would say I still look back at those 10 years as being the 10 best years I've had in my life that nothing will ever compare. And as you, as you know, obviously the, the further you get away from it, the less bad memory of anything you had is there and only the good memories remain. You sound like me. I always, I always say that the best 10 years of my life. And over time, yes, you only remember the good stuff. Like uh, we're, we're like two peas in a pod. I, f- I find. Yeah, very much. But it, it has to, I mean, I loved club med the time that I was there. I'm glad I did it. The times that I was there, I don't think I would be able to do it anymore just because having I, partially because I think my job is almost on is almost uh, obsolete for club med. Cause I think that they're, they're moving in a different direction, which is fine. I mean, everything move, everything changes and whatever, but I think having a TV in a room changes what animation is in a village too. Because the people, you know, finished a dinner and said, no, I think I'm just going to go back to my room and watch TV instead of coming out and participating in a show, unless it's circus, which is another thing that's taken over club meds. Uh, I think circus has become the number number one cornerstone of animation for most villages. And with these 10 years, you, you sound like you, like you, you don't have any regrets. You wouldn't have changed a thing, correct? No, I wouldn't have changed a thing except maybe if I had, stayed i would have wanted to go over to the european zone okay um, and it, it you know god knows if that would have happened or not but uh i'm i'm so thankful that i got to do villages like eleuthera which doesn't exist anymore saint lucia which doesn't exist anymore uh sonora bay doesn't exist anymore playa blanca doesn't exist uh morea like all those places that i was in a lot of them don't exist anymore and i'm thrilled I got to spend, uh, you know, six months or a year in my life in some of these places that 
left such an indelible impression on me. Well, I think that's the perfect spot to end the interview, sir. I really want to thank you, Graham, for uh, sharing your story. That was fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. And good, great speaking to you. And one day I'll return to Club Med in some way or another, but. (laughs) Yeah, just don't ask me to do the show, okay? No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. That was Graham Maxwell from Toronto, Canada. And we will see you all next week with another installment. Here's where we say goodbye to everyone, Graham, listening. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.